I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Rakitic con Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos otra vez para Cuña. Cuña que la pone. O Campos el remate. Gol, 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 by Paco Polit. We've just witnessed match day 10. We've just witnessed Barcelona beating Athletic Club. That will come in the second half of the show. We've got Real Madrid and the Sergio Ramos derby to come. We've got Atleti with a big win. Girona with a bigger win. But first of all, Paco, how are you? Um, very well. Uh, everything's uh, going fine over here. Quite healthy after a couple of weeks with problems being, uh, you know, brought in by the little one from her nursery so <laughs> the last week has been uh, quite uh, yeah quite comfortable over here and Valencia didn't play this weekend so good news overall <laughs> a more relaxing yeah. weekend in the Polite household this time round at least then well we without further ado we will get on to the Sergio Ramos derby which was uh, a pretty thrilling game I mean uh, Sevilla held Real Madrid to a 1-1 draw I think this game went through a number of phases Real Madrid probably created enough chances in the first half to, to win this game um, and then Sevilla ended up kind of really coming into the game in the second half and I thought controlling it for much of it and it was only Dani Carvajal that came between Sevilla and perhaps um, a victory but uh, yeah what did you kind of make of this game Paco and in particular Diego Alonso Sevilla for the first time yeah I think that Diego Alonso tried to bring in uh, you know that kind of uh, rowdy uh, play style or at least more vigorous play style for, for Sevilla players who you know this season so far they have made uh, quite uh, a few mistakes already in plenty of games which eventually cost them uh, plenty of points too so in this game i think that uh, sevilla were you know at the at the top of their game like 100% concentrated motivated as you said uh, sergio ramos was you know playing the ga- the game of his life literally and uh, in that sense <laughs> i think that um, it was a a matter of of when the as you know, the, the the wrestling commentators often say when the hostilities would be unleashed, and in this case, it took place during the second half. The first one was more, you know, uh, 
plenty of, of uh, to to and fro between both uh, boxes with Real Madrid obviously with their uh, usual uh, threat uh, in front. Once again, Vinicius was uh, one of the main characters of the game, not for the best reasons. And in the second half, as you said, Alaba was the one in charge of scoring an own goal, even though Sevilla were pressing and, and, and pushing forward. And uh, Carvajal was the one to, to avoid Real Madrid's uh, uh, defeat with a very, very quick uh, counter, um, only four minutes uh, after allowing the, the opener and, and leveling the game. And yeah, most of the of the of the stats are very very uh, close or 100% drawn. So in that sense, I think it was uh, a fair result. Even though you know m most of the of the talk after the game and the, and the post-match interviews were focused on on the usual stuff whenever controversy arises, right? The, the ref calls, you know, two goals being disallowed for, for Real Madrid. Uh, there was a, a very nasty uh, Jude Bellingham challenge over Rakitic, which, you know, overall wasn't really the best uh, the, the best look for the from the English player. And once again, as I said earlier, uh, Vinicius, you know, um, in this in this case, provoking a, a an unnecessary brawl between both sides, you know, uh, things uh, quickly spun out of control, and you know things went so south so quickly that uh, eventually um, Ancelotti was the one in charge of of deciding that uh, Vinicius wasn't in the in the proper state of mind of of finishing the game, and he quickly subbed him out because I think that both the 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 manager and everyone watching the game knew that the the, the following challenge or or action where Vinicius was in the middle of of the fray it would eventually become a, a red for him so I think it was smart move by by Ancelotti and thanks to that uh, Real Madrid were able to finish their game with with eleven players. Yeah, I mean there was refereeing controversy. Carlo Ancelotti told Real Madrid TV that he didn't want to say what mm. he really thought about the referee because otherwise he'd get. A big game ban, but I mean, I don't think the referee was good in this game. And I thought ultimately Vinicius probably could have had a penalty. Um, but as Ewan McTeer, the man uh, who covers Real Madrid, said, uh, Jesus Navas has perfected the Danny Carvajal there of uh, kind of impacting but not giving away a penalty for, for a player in the box. And and yeah, okay, maybe you can give that penalty. I probably would have, but it's it's one of those that can go either way. And then the two goals, I mean, ultimately the referee did wave play mm. on for one of them, but they were both fouls, so it was coming back anyway. I think Ancelotti is, while not talking about referees, kind of covering up for the fact that Real Madrid here, yeah, that second half wasn't great. They did create enough chances to win this game, I think, I think in the first half. And ultimately, Rodrigo and Vinicius right now just aren't in goal scoring mm. form the thing i wanted to ask you about is jude bellingham is this over simplistic to say that if you stop jude bellingham <laughs> who in three games this season hasn't scored or assisted and real madrid have dropped points twice out of those three games if you stop jude bellingham do you stop this well, you could say uh, arguably that you have at least half of the job done but, you know, I, I don't really think so. You know, uh, Jude Meligam can't score every single game for Real Madrid. That would be absolute bonkers. So um, I think that, yeah, obviously uh, stopping Bellingham in that uh, three-quarter line of, of the pitch and, and not allowing Real Madrid to be comfortable whenever, whenever finishing their place obviously is a, is a massive move on the, on the opposition. But at the same time, I think Real Madrid have plenty of firepower to uh, compensate to, for uh, Bellingham not not being able to score. I think in this game, 
uh, Sevilla quickly took it into the place where they were going to be more comfortable. You know, taking the the game during the first half into the you know scraps here and there, plenty of second chances, second plays, trying to get uh, in control of ball possession in the midfield. Uh, I don't know, uh, not. Mm, great transitions between defense and, and the counter and the and the attacking front and uh, that benefited Sevilla because they were going to buy, try to take advantage of the set pieces which uh, they are quite proficient in that in that sense and as everyone knows whenever you have Sergio Ramos and quite of the other Sevilla defenders who are big bulky uh, massive defenders you have uh, more chances and I think that Diego Alonso is trying to play to Sevilla's strengths in his first couple of weeks as, uh, as the new manager and I think that he couldn't ask for more in his debut game because, yeah, obviously uh, defeating Real Madrid would have been even even bigger. But uh, the way Sevilla played, the kind of mentality, the kind of, you know, as I said earlier, rowdiness in their play style, I think that's the way to go for Sevilla to turning things around. Whereas for, obviously, Real Madrid, Ancelotti can complain uh, whenever he wants. He's in his right to do so. Uh, what I don't, you know, understand is why uh, some Real Madrid players, or in this case Ancelotti, sometimes say that they don't speak about referees when they do, uh, when they are not uh, benefited, <laughs> or they feel, they feel uh, you know, their grievances against the the ref. And uh, yeah, you could actually see some of the you know uh, B-roll uh, cameras after the game. There was one point when um, Ancelotti was speaking with. Uh, Vinicius in the in the sidelines and and the Burgos Bengoechea went close to Ancelotti tried to you know calm him down because he was complaining about what what was going on and you know he he dared touching gently and slightly um, Ancelotti on his arm on his forearm and Ancelotti saying you know uh, no me toques no me toques like <laughs> getting uh, even madder <laughs> so. Not the best, uh, you know, not the best blood between uh, the Burgos Lengoechea and uh, Real Madrid. And you could see that definitely in all of the complaining. Carvajal was oh, absolutely in the middle of every single complaint. As Sergio Ramos was on the opposite side. So overall, these kind of games, which are, I would say, dirtied from the beginning. And they are, uh, you know, not the cleanest in, in the football sense. Uh, with, uh, you know, no controversy, no... Uh, controversial calls by the ref. These are the games, especially whenever they play away from Bernabeu, where Real Madrid are not comfortable. Yes, it was a very good debut from Diego Alonso's side, who I thought we saw kind of held possession a lot more. They were um, very good on the ball in that second half and comfortable as well. They looked happy enough moving it through midfield. And I think it was, in terms of midfield, apart from perhaps the Atleti game, the worst we've seen Real Madrid's midfield this season. Um, so things to improve for Ancelotti there. We should mention Vinicius Jr. There's been two recorded incidents of racism against um, against the Brazilian. One of them, Sevilla themselves, publicised it and said that uh, they'd ejected him and removed his kind of socio card, I think. And the other one uh, was a child, which was even more depressing, I think. And listen, it's not new. I, I don't really know if there's that much more to say about it at this point other than punishment and culture and and really yeah people need to start yeah. kind of it, it's on the crowd at this point to start kind of taking it into their own hands and um, just finally on this a word on Sergio Ramos he, he saw him winding up 
Antonio Rudiger, but just how good was he in this game? I think he was better than average uh, during his tenure as Sevilla as a Sevilla player because obviously the motivation was off the charts. And if Sergio Ramos is able to keep this kind of level uh, the rest of the season, I think that Sevilla are going to have like zero problems getting away from the from the bottom spots of the of La Liga, and they might even uh, you know achieve something uh, even more notable in in other competitions. Yeah, excellent stuff. And it was uh, it was a really good game, one of the best in La Liga this season. Speaking of really good games to watch, Almeria under Gaizka Garitano, a new manager, bounced. It happened in about the first 25 minutes when they went 2-0 up mm. against Girona, but my word, did they come storming back. They ended up winning this game 5-2 in the end. Kristen Suani got on the score sheet. Dovbeck got a brace to kind of level, uh, put Girona into lead at half time as well they were really really good the Catalan side and and yeah I mean they're level on points with Real Madrid now they're the top scorers in the division they're probably the most entertaining side in the division as well yeah I think that uh, Granada told the the cautionary tale uh, a few weeks ago and uh, Almeria unfortunately didn't take uh, you know, a few notes on, on what happened. Um, whenever you have Girona in front, you can be 2-0 winning the game and you are definitely not safe and not clear from from danger. And and that's what happened. You know, the, the first half, the way um, Girona were able to finish the first half with uh, Dobic uh, scoring uh, a brace in the last few minutes and, you know, ultimately turning things around in, in a matter of, of five, six minutes just speaks volumes about the, the level of confidence uh, right now that Girona players have. You know, they, they are flying, they, they feel as, as they are flying. Uh, Mitchell is doing an, an amazing job and I think the way uh, during the second half they were able to, to polish the game with a couple more goals just speaks, uh, you know, it's just a testament of of how confident they are at this point and especially how strong they feel whenever they play at Montilivi. Uh, you know, that whenever they play at home, um, Girona might be one of the strongest uh, teams so far in in the league, whenever uh, playing in their in the in their home turf, and unfortunately for for the opposition, Almeria are at this point bottom of the of the league. As you said, it was uh, the debut game from game for for Garitano, and um, you know they they need to do more. Uh, good news for them is that Baptistao seemed uh, you know pretty on point at least to tap it in a couple of times. I think that also during the first half. Um, Embarba did uh, you know a couple of interesting things in in that run for the second goal. So overall, Almeria, as I've said plenty of times in in this podcast uh, this season, I think they have a better squad than their current standings are. So uh, hopefully they they will able to just just bring it on once again and, and gather together uh, under um, uh, Garitano's umbrella. And, and improve their, their game, especially whenever playing at the Powerhorse power Stadium. I think that if Almeria want to have chances of salvation, they need to start uh, securing all of the points being, being uh, in dispute whenever playing at home. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's certainly a frustrating one for Gary Town because, yeah, things going so well and then to collapse like that again, I think it shows the, the depth of kind of the mental malaise that's set in at Almeria, the fact that they on multiple occasions have dropped leads or dropped games when things have been going well for them uh, just before we kind of move on from this game and and yeah give Girona kind of less time than I really want to because we could talk about them all evening but Alex Garcia if he's not in the Spain squad 
I mean, how do we explain that? I mean, Luis De La Fuente surely must call him up after kind of his form in the last month or two. Well, um, you could argue uh, towards that that um, Spain has plenty of interesting midfielders at this point. But but yeah, definitely the way Alex Garcia is is playing this season has been, uh, you know, absolutely stellar so far. Um, there was one of the assists, I believe, in the in the second goal to that uh, to Yamia, that that uh, pared between him and and Dobik. Uh, for the Ukrainian striker to to finish the play, and overall he he had a massive game. Another one, I think both Blind and Alex Arcia and also Dobik were the the standouts of of Girona in this game. Um, but again, there's fierce competition in in the Spanish squad, and in addition, uh, Rory, I think that the fact that Spain keep winning their games, even though they suffer in some of them. And uh, they are, uh, you know, completing all of their uh, achievements so far, uh, both in the Nations League, now the, the qualifiers for the Euro 2024. That doesn't really leave that, uh, you know, much space for, for new new faces, even though Luis de la Fuente has shown plenty of times that he doesn't really, you know, he isn't really scared of, of bringing in uh, fresh blood. But most of the new players or the newcomers come from a place where uh, Luis de la Fuente has really seen them, you know, mm. uh, uh, in the under-21s or in the under-19s for Spain, under-17s, under-18s, you know, players which Luis de la Fuente has already handled uh, back in the day. Whereas for Alex Garcia has been such a, you know, burst uh, through the through the cracks and, and his uh, development this season and his performance this season has been so outstanding that uh, he might need a bit more from him in in the sense of more uh continuity more more consistency more games from the from with with the template of the first 10 i think that if alex garcia is able to play this level um whenever the the winter break comes around uh in december i think that uh luis lafuente will have no other chance no other escape that uh, finally uh, you know calling him up for the for the spanish national side Absolutely, and uh, yeah, just very, very good for him. I've, I'm at the point where I think, I mean, you can have someone like Fabian who does what De La Fuente wants and the fact that he provides kind of physicality, he gets into the box well, he, he's a pretty versatile player, but then I think Alex Garcia is just at such a high level right now that you put him on the pitch and he makes your team better regardless of kind of rules and everything. Um, and just kind of before we, we wrap, up, wrap up the first half of the show, Real Sociedad beat... Um, Mallorca 1-0 at home, a goal from uh, Bryce Mendes, created by Dake Kubo, who changed the game with his introduction. <laughs> Mallorca a little bit unlucky here, they probably did more to win this game, but uh, an important one for La Real to win, and the sort of game that perhaps in the past they might not have. And Atleti beat Celta Vigo 3-0 on uh, Saturday night at Balaidos. Antoine Griezmann was a hat-trick, Alvaro Morata was involved, not on the score sheet, but assisting Griezmann. Atleti are, are in really stellar form right now and, and Celta's Benitez, I, I don't know how long they've got left. Yeah, I think that uh, I might go against the, the popular uh, you know, uh, view in this, in this case, but I think that Celta were very unlucky in, in this game and Atletico were clinical in the way they scored their games and especially the, the moments of the game where they were able to to convert those those chances um, because Celta played well 
especially during the, the, the first half, I think that Celta deserved something more more or less in the same way that Mallorca deserved more against uh, Real Sociedad and ultimately it was, you know, a single play in the second half, as you said, Takekubo with the assist and Bryce Mendes with the, with the clinical header. But regarding Atletico's game, um, you know, uh, Ivan Villar mistakes was damning for, for Celta uh, very early in the game. Uh, till this point, you know, the first 20-25 minutes, Celta had even dominated and, and, and the game was pretty balanced. But, you know, after uh, the goalkeeper being uh, sent off, I think that uh, Celta were going to have a, a very dark future ahead of them. And yeah, Griezmann was able to score from the penalty spot later in the second half. I actually think Griezmann was attempting to cross the ball and not actually <laughs> finish the shot. <laughs> And yeah, he was lucky. You know, Vicente Huerta was uh, waiting for the for the cross, and and Griezmann just hit the ball with his ankle, and it went straight in with the second one. Uh, I believe I'm, from the top of my head, Bamba had a, a an amazing shot in the second half that smashed the 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 woodwork, um, and would have been able to to cut the the difference in in half, but. Ultimately, uh, Atletico just trampled Celta in the in the final 30 minutes because of just how physical are they, how confident are they, and that Celta were you know um, noticing the and feeling the the physical toll of playing with one man less throughout the the first hour. So, uh, Atletico keep their victorious run alive, and unfortunately for Celta, I understand Benitez being you know uh, at this point feeling the heat. Because even though they have deserved more in at least, at least, and I'm, you know, Celta is uh, more or less a neutral side for, for, for me, you know, in my, in, my, in my view, Celta have deserved more points at least in four or five of the, of the first 10 games. Yeah, no, I, I do agree that they've kind of deserved a little bit more, but they, for me, I don't know, I think Benitez has been given not necessarily an easy pass, but I think he's been given more time because of his name. I mean... You can you can argue that that's pretty just because he has a reputation and he's earned it. But I think looking at this Celtic side, they played well against these big teams. But in, in the games mm. against teams around them, I don't think they've been nearly yeah. as good. They've not shown up as much. And these punctual mistakes, these things that keep happening, that was the same thing that kept happening to kind of Carlos Carvajal, to Chacho Calvet. These yeah. are chronic problems at Celta, um, and Benitez so far. I think he's tried to adapt, I think he's tried to play more progressively, but not really achieved it so far. And I think against those big teams, he looks better because he can play kind of more to his skill sets as a manager. But perhaps mm. I'm, I'm being harsh on him there. No, but, uh, but, but to, to, to wrap this up, I think that uh, in the last three, four seasons, Celta have depended like 100% on on the performance by by Diago Aspas and they need Diago Aspas to be you know at the top of his game and whenever he isn't back in the day you had players like Bryce Mendes and so on but Bryce also left so Celta don't really have um you know that kind of of quality player who is able to uh you know shift gears when Diago Aspas isn't on and and carry the team on on his own and, and that's a big problem because uh, Benitez can be uh, very proficient on all of the tactical issues and try to, uh, you know, not allow easy, uh, easy, easy goals on, on his behalf. But if you don't have the quality both in front and at the back, uh, Celta are going to suffer. And, and in this case, I think Ivan Villar 
is the sole responsible for the easy defeat at the hands of Real Madrid because his mistake was absolutely, uh, you know, unforgivable in the in the first half. Yes, I'll, con I'll concede on that. But uh, in general, I think I want to see more from Celta, even if, as you say, they're reliant on Aspas and they're missing Gabri Vega, of course, this season too. But um, I'll bring part one to an end there. We'll be back in just a second. I mean, there was a... Not necessarily the best game that Barcelona played, but an interesting one um, and more trouble for Villarreal and Pacheta in part two coming up in just a moment. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. estar en un partido del filial, pero fíjate Este están chico debutó en Japón. Eh... Pero Marcos que viene Joao Félix para lanzar la primera para Marquinhos. Va a entrar en el área. Enfila una y Simón. Menudo debut. Menudo debut. Menudo debut. Menudo debut. Menudo debut. Gol, 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 gol. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's your free Monday podcast. Remember to subscribe and upgrade if you have not already done so. There's plenty of written content coming your way for the subscribers and, of course, an extra pod a week. Barcelona beat Athletic Club 1-0 at Montjuic to kind of keep pace with Real Madrid and ensure that the gap uh, was closed this weekend, just um, down to one point, I believe it was. And... It was another youngster for Xavi. I mean, Barcelona were playing fine, but not brilliantly in this match. Athletic Club probably had the better of the first half. I think Barcelona improved a little bit in the second. 
and then Margiu, 17-year-old, comes on with within I think it was 20 seconds you mentioned and his second touch 23, 23 seconds, seconds yes. and finishes he gets slipped in by Joao Felix and uh, finishes if there's one thing that I, I have to give Xavi props for it's his work with the youngsters Paco yes and that he takes uh, the risks he isn't just all talk but he actually shows that he he trusts them and and delivers the the goods in that in that front. I have a very similar experience uh, in the last few months with both Valencia and Ruben Baraja and those players who you know came up through through the ranks: Javi Guerra, Diego López, eh, Alberto Marí, and Fran Pérez. All of them, you know, coming from the academy. And in this case, Barça are capitalizing on the on the on the benefits of of La Masia. And in this case, Mark Guyu, a player who whom. I hadn't listened anything about because I believe he's still player for the juvenile side, the under under 18s. Uh, as you said, 17 years old, first 23 seconds uh, in the top flight, and he scored a massive goal for Barca because, as you said, it's, it narrows the gap with with Real Madrid with El Clasico looming, and uh, actually the, the the way he scored was, uh, you know, uh, plenty of confidence brimming with confidence you know the 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 pass through through the defense by by Joao Felix and the run into the space slightly onside because it was very very close a very close call but yeah the way he finished uh, Mark Guyu is uh I don't know one of the newest names one one more to add to to Chavi's list um back in the day uh, Ansu Fati was you know more or less a product of of uh, Ronald Koeman's era, but but in this case, uh, Jamin Lamal, Mark Guyu, uh, Xavi's delivering Balde. the goods. Yeah, Balde, all of them uh, are having the chances. And you could see that, you know, the youngster almost crying uh, when the the final whistle and uh, quickly Joao Felix, who was once again Barca's best player, uh, going to, to hug him and, and thank him for for the goal. The way, uh, I guess you, you saw that shot on the, on the TV, on the TV broadcast of Lewandowski, uh, you know, uh, bringing himself up and clapping to to the youngster scoring, I think it's very, you know, a significant uh, showcase of of how relevant it is for both the veterans and the youngsters to to gel and to you know uh, mix in in Xavi's uh, cocktail in this case. Uh, overall, the game wasn't really that exciting. I, th I think especially in the first half, it was very cagey. As I said earlier, uh, Joao Felix was the best player. Athletic Club trying to bring in their more collective efforts into deactivating all of Barca's, um, you know, uh, weapons of 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 attack. Uh, more ball possession for Barca, but not really that depth on the, on the play style. Very, very, I would say overall, very clean game. Nothing really fancy in that front. And yeah, I think that overall, maybe Athletic Club deserved one one single point, at least for the collective effort, even though they didn't really have those many chances. But uh, once again, one quick burst of quality uh, unbalanced everything. And in this case, it came from a uh, debutante. Yeah, I'll be honest, I thought Athletic perhaps lacked a little bit of personality in this game. I thought this game was there for the taking for yeah. them if they'd grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and... Yeah, easier said Conformista. than Conformista. Yeah, in Spanish. They, yeah. They were happy with the point. Yeah. Too happy. Yeah. And, and yeah, if they'd really gone for Barcelona, I think there was there's more for it. I mean, Barcelona really struggled to get the ball through midfield. I mean, Gundogan, Gavi, Romeo, you saw very little of them. And they did improve a little bit in the second half. But, but yeah, moving through that athletic press, they ended up playing long quite a lot. 
this is obviously a problem, but given the injuries, is it? Can we ask more of Xavi? Do they need to be playing better, or is it enough just to get results right now? I think that the way Barca are pulling off uh, most of the results this season is quite remarkable because under any other circumstances, or especially two years ago under Kuman, uh, they would have been translated into defeats or draws. But I don't know how. Um, Barca are able to, you know, slightly make it and barely make it and pick up the three points in, in most of their of their clashes in, in La Liga. And the, the way they are just scraping by, I think it uh, enhances the the morale and the, and the confidence of the group. And when all of those players, as you said, uh, which are at this point injured, uh, are recovered and, and you know are added once again into the into the squad. I think that Barca will will benefit uh, massively from the the players coming back and also from the ones who are at this point uh, being their substitutes and their replacements and are doing uh, a pretty decent job overall. Because the the fact is that Barca, I think Xavi has stated this quite a few times. Barca fans and other sides fans expect Barca to win uh, and play uh, pretty football or beautiful football. But Xavi, I think, has understood finally that what is going to keep him at the helm and, you know, um, uh, unharmed by criticism is winning, no matter the cost. So Barca are, are getting the job done. And I think that's uh, very, you know, uh, remarkable, as I said earlier. But let's see when they play in other competitions. I think for La Liga, this might be enough. Let's see what happens against Real Madrid, for example, in a couple of weeks. And um, let's see what happens, especially in the Champions League, because I think that's just scraping by isn't going to be enough for, for Barca. Yes, it's uh, yeah, the Clasico coming up next Saturday. So yeah, make sure you're tuned into that. I think it'll be... Yeah, it'll be a, a real test of Chavez because that kind of pragmatism can can only go so far, especially when you perhaps have a, the quality on your side. But but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. I do think with the injuries as they are, it's going to be a tough ask against Real Madrid next week. But moving on to a side that have the quality to be doing more, in my view, Villarreal drew 1-1 at home to... Um, to Alaves, Samuel Morodian opened the scoring and then there was an equaliser from Gerard Moreno from the penalty spot. But Pacheta, I mean, look, the players might be more content with Setien not there, but they've got worse since Pacheta came in. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's a fact uh, and numbers don't, uh, don't lie. And as you said, I think Villarreal find it so tough to overturn things whenever they, they find themselves... Uh, behind in the in the scoreline, uh, Omorodion once again doing things uh, very interesting things for for his own future because everyone knows he's uh, on loan in in Alaves this season. But yeah, I think that everyone expected more from from Villarreal in a in a very um, very special week because um, this was the the week when. Uh, the um, the sports ground, the, tra the training grounds were rebranded as uh, Ciudad Deportiva José Manuel Llaneza, obviously in as an homage to the the legendary sports director for for the the yellow side, and uh, yeah, the, the way 
Villarreal defended throughout the first half wasn't really that impressive. Omorodion's goal was, you know, the perfect example because it was very easy for for him to score. And in the second half, Villarreal were a bit better, but at the same time, um, you know, it isn't enough. Gerard Moreno isn't enough. And uh, the way they are suffering at the back uh, shows that if Villarreal want to really get something positive, Pacheta has to put has to choose. He has to choose either to get stronger at the back, place more players, change something at the back, uh, train more, train harder. I don't know, or go uh, as a, go forward as a fully fledged you know offensive side as back in the day. I don't know uh, Unai Emery did sometimes. Uh, not always, but he did sometimes. And, uh, you know, he has to choose one of both, one of these two. But at this point, I think Villarreal are in that kind of middle ground where they are not a threat uh, on the offense and they are not, you know, respectable as a side when defending. And that is big trouble for a, for a team as, uh, you know, where its own uh, fans demand as much as as Villarreal because, you know, the, the fact is that this is a team that should be fighting for the top six, top seven uh, spots of, of La Liga and at this point they are in the in the lower third of the of the standings. Yeah, big problems for Pacheta. Villarreal on nine points, the same as Alaves and just three points above Celta in the relegation zone. Um, they've got a week off because their game with Maccabi Haifa has been sus- uh, postponed in the uh, Europa League, which I think is good for Pacheta to kind of get get a little bit more of a, a break and perhaps train a little bit more. Um, but but problems for them. They face Granada next, and what? Yeah, I mean Granada could could kind of go level with them. Uh, just running through the rest of the games, Getafe drew one-one with Betis. So Mark Roca opened the scoring. He's been very good so far this season, um, and Borja Mayoral has been doing very well. For Getafe uh-huh. in recent weeks, he equalised. Um, I do wonder if uh, Bordelas, how, how how good this side would be if he did have Enesunal in it. Osasuna got off uh, not a bad run, but certainly they felt more at home and more kind of uh, comfortable in this game against Granada when they beat them 2-0 on Friday night at El Sarar. Mm. There was protest against Sean Weissman, who's the Israeli striker. Um, for Granada, he did not travel for his own safety, as authorities recommended, um, but he had said that he hopes lots of tons of bombs were dropped on Palestine, and then uh, Osasuna fans turned out with Palestine flags and chanted, Weissman die, so that will probably get punished. And Rayo beat Las Palmas away from home, really uh, yeah. good result for them. Uh, what an ending, Dimitrievsky. right? Yeah, Dmitrievsky stopped a, stopped a penalty. And then Rao got an, got the win through a Bebe penalty. Uh, Rao, really good start to the season. They're seventh with 16 points, although they do have a bit of a gauntlet next. It's Real Sociedad, Real Madrid, Girona and Barcelona coming up for Francisco's side. Um, just closing out the show, anything you kind of want to mention from those games? Paco? Well, once again, controversy between uh, Bordalas and the opposite manager. In this case, um, Manuel Pellegrini, who was uh, you know very bickering and complaining about uh, the usual Getafe staff. And Bordalas said that he's uh, no longer affected by this kind of rants from the, from the opposite uh, coach. Um, Another point picked up by Getafe, who is to doing just the, you know, the the ant 
um, uh, story, you know, uh, children's story. They are picking up points here and there to, for whenever winter comes around, which is, uh, you know, immediately. So, uh, yeah, I think that Getafe are, uh, you know, needing a bit more, I would say, a bit more ambition. But if it settles things for, uh, you know, uh, dividing the spoils, settles things for Bordalas, then uh, uh, I think it's it's good for them. And regarding the the rest of the of the games, Bebe scoring the the winner for for Rayo Vallecano. Uh, I don't know, Las Palmas is this kind of you know bubbling side with plenty of flair in some of their games, but they don't have the kind of killer instinct. Whereas for Rayo Vallecano, this season has been able to to impress once again. Iraola left. You know, you can kill the man or the man can leave, but the idea re, re, uh, rem uh, remains. And Francisco has been able to take that kind of idea in Rayo Vallecano's playstyle and, and transition it beautifully into what they are showing this this season. And finally, as you said, the remaining game, Osasuna, once again, making themselves strong when playing at home. Granada under Paco Lopez uh, really struggling at this point. I was watching the, the standings and, you know, they are two points away from, from salvation, but their, their streak of results, only three points from the last 15, isn't really that impressive. Only one game being won in the first 10. So I don't know if Paco Lopez should begin worrying about what is going to happen in his immediate future and um, once again I wanted to point out Osasuna uh, Ante Budimir once again a brace um, he's called the swan right uh, by social media and yeah, so on and, and Cisne, Cisne. Uh, yeah maybe because of how long his neck is actually but uh, <laughs> you know in this case he scored one from the penalty spot the other one very early in the game and uh, overall Osasuna were able to capitalize on their accuracy because it wasn't really uh, that uh, I would say uh, that the level of superiority for, for Osasuna, uh, also Granada had their chances, but overall, whenever they play at home, Osasuna have made El Sadar their, their, biggest, their biggest asset and one of the biggest strongholds of, of La Liga. Absolutely, yes, a very good win for Osasuna. Paco Lopez probably starting to think about making adjustments. In the Champions League coming up, Sevilla at home to Arsenal, Braga host Real Madrid, Benfica host Real Sociedad, Barcelona hosting Shakhtar Donetsk, and then Celtic are hosting Atletico Madrid as well. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with a pod for our subscribers if you're not. What are you doing? Subscribe, obviously. Upgrade. Do it. Do um, it. Remember, you have the full cake ahead of you and don't enjoy only this slice. You know, this slice is, <laughs> is very, 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 very tasty. If you like it, just enjoy the full cake and upgrade your Substack subscription, please. Absolutely. And uh, on that note, I think we shall uh, call things to an end. My thanks to Paco, who has been as brilliant as ever. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. And if you're not a subscriber, we'll be here again next Monday to keep you company with La Liga's action. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.